there's people coming into Greensmith at all different stages of their journey in food. And, look, I really believe that the, the food that we are eating, we have just totally lost touch with where our food comes from and connecting with our food and buying things pre-made, pre-chopped, pre-packaged, pre-everything. And I, I really believe that that healing and health starts with the food that you nourish yourself with, the way you prepare it, the way you love it, the way you appreciate it, and not, not just picking that up to, to eat it to get full. It's about enjoying that whole process. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well-being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials, here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast. What a beautiful guest we have on the show this week, the gorgeous Jessica Holdsworth. This amazing soul was blessed to grow up around nourishing food and organic farms. So organic, local and natural foods are just a part of who she is. Her first venture into the organic food industry was in Kiama, where she saw a gap in the market to establish heart and soul organics, a place where locals could buy organic products. Jess has extensive experience running her own retail businesses and over the last eight years has expanded into organic manufacturing and importing with her own organic food company, Love My Earth. Together, Yui and Jess are leaders in the organic food industry and are proud to be working closely together to bring the Sunshine Coast community the best organic, local and natural products. The Greensmith, the name of her grocers, Greensmith Grocers, refers to the maker, the grower, the creator. The name Greensmith Grocers pays tribute to the roots and fruits of labor from the team to bring a standard of real food to all people. Jess said being able to bring Greensmith Grocers to life has been a lifelong passion and it's been coming to fruition and now it's for real. Now, even if you don't live on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland, you're going to love this podcast. Most towns, most areas, most cities have a beautiful array of organic shops or whole food produce and her philosophy is very simple yet very profound and insightful. So I know you're going to love this week's podcast and how much she shares of her journey and why these things are so important and just the power of understanding what we eat, what we put into and onto our bodies and how that affects our mind, body, soul and spirit. I look forward to hearing your comments and feedback on this week's self-love podcast. You can go to my Instagram page, Kim Morrison and the number 28. You can go to my Facebook page, Kim Morrison Training, or you can head to thewellnesscouch.com forward slash self-love podcast. And on there, on that website, you will find all the notes from today's show, as well as all the links that our beautiful Jess shared so exquisitely, particularly around her retreats and online store. So on that note, my beautiful listener, I hope this finds you as well and as amazing as ever. I absolutely love showing up every week for you. And I truly do appreciate and really do humbly accept every single beautiful five-star rating and your amazing comments. Thank you so much for being on this ride with me right here on the Self Love Podcast.
One of my favorite things to do each week is to interview superstars, people who I look up to and admire, people who make a difference in my world. And what an honor and a treat to bring to you this week, the beautiful Jessica Holdsworth. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, gorgeous girl. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Well, it is such a treat to have you on the show. You are someone who lives my life, my world, and does things so in alignment with what I love to do. You actually own and run a beautiful organic superstore here on the Sunshine Coast. But before we get into all the work and the retreats and all the teachings that you do, perhaps you could give the listener just a little brief background as to who you are, where you're from, what led you down this pathway, my lovely? Sure. Well, for me, I guess my journey started um, from the moment I was brought into this world. I was very lucky enough to have a very special mother who was already on her own journey into health and wellness and asking different questions to perhaps what that everyone else was asking. And so at a very young age, I was, um, you know, exposed to what my mum was learning through her, um, through her life. And a lot of that was um, alternate medicine, um, living and healing in natural ways, organic food. Uh, my mum is a Reiki practitioner, massage therapist, iridologist. She's got lots of different things that she's done. And so I guess it, it started from there. Um, and and it's just been part of who I am, I guess. It, it's for me that that wasn't anything different or anything that I've discovered it's just really been my life since I can remember and do you think then regardless of whether it's nurture or whether it's who we are nature like all of those different things that people talk about so often do you think there's accidents when it comes to being brought into that world and the fact that it was so natural for you does it just feel to you like this was your purpose, regardless of your mum's journey as well? Uh, yes, I do definitely think that. But I have gone through, I guess, let's say perhaps the first 18 years was very much aligned with that and the journey and the travels and the experiences that I had um, with my mum. And then I went off to track a little bit I guess as any teenager does and wanted to um, do things a bit differently and I, I've always been very um, curious and interested in many things but I also wanted to go into a different world I guess so I started to sort of I think I got back from overseas maybe just before I turned 20 and then I wanted to go into, I wanted a career and I wanted a big job. And I remember thinking I wanted a company car and I wanted this amount of money. And I kind of went on sort of sidetracked a little bit. Um, and, you know, life goes on and, and that's a whole nother story. But um, I've always come back to this. And I think it was the foundations that, that were laid. And, and my mum has always been very free and open so she she was never like this is how you've got to live your life or this is what you've got to do she's always just let me go wild I guess 
and and hope and pray that I came back. <laughs> um, but yeah, always always coming back to those roots, and and many times I've come and gone and come and gone and wanted to go back into you know different kinds of businesses that perhaps didn't serve me well, um, health wise and balance wise and self love wise, but. Now there's just no other way, really. There's no other way that I want to be living my life. And so it's just like a full circle. And where I'm at right now, like I get goosebumps thinking about it. Is It's like everything that I've learnt and all the beautiful people that I've been lucky enough to meet and experience and all the different experiences that I've had were all to get me to this point and now it's like an expression of all of that it's it's yeah it's really cool well there's no better way to express all of the learnings in a natural holistic integrative health world than owning a beautiful green grocer like you have (laughs) Was that always something you wanted to do? Was that the platform that you chose to share all your knowledge and information? What was it that made you go, you know what, let's open a Greensmith Grocer? (laughs) Well, I guess I've always thought that I needed some sort of um, title or degree or so I, I, I think I've always been searching for oh, what can I be, Uh, what title can I have? And none of that ever sort of played out. And then this is my second organic food store, actually. Um, And the first one was was in Kiama in New South Wales. And that was just like a natural thing for me to create because there wasn't anywhere to buy organic food. So I just woke up one day and thought, oh, I'm going to open an organic food store. But, yeah, it's really just been coming to this point really of how realising that actually I don't need to be one thing or put myself into one box or one title. And and Greensmith Grocers is really me just being the, the connector and the space that can offer these things and bring all of these beautiful people together who specialise in like yourself or, you know, so many amazing people come in. So it's just really like the heart of that. And my role, I think, is is to bring all of that together. Well, you certainly do it incredibly well. And everybody that comes into that store, there's there's just an energy. There's an essence. There's a pure love from you guys. And I think it's something that just makes it so attractive do you think then that the organic world, is it overused, that word? Is it really, truly, when we say organic, it means organic? Or is it just a marketing ploy these days? I'm assuming you have very specific guidelines on what you consider organic. But talk to us a little bit about that world, because I think for many people, it's quite confusing. People think mm. it's really expensive. They don't understand what that means. Talk to us about the variances of maybe biodynamic, organic, natural, not sprayed. You know, there's just so many different things to think about. Could you explain it from your point of view? Sure. Yeah, well, it definitely is um, confusing. And now there's 
more people are entering that space and that market. So, you know, back in the day, like when I grew up again, where we lived in the life we lived, it wasn't, there wasn't even a name for it, right? But we, we lived um, on an organic farm and then they were, that was their practices. Um, it was a certified organic farm. And back then I think it was a lot easier to find, I call the real, I use the word the real deal kind of organic producers, growers, makers. Um, and that's sort of where it does get a little bit confusing now because I think the terms do get used quite flippantly around and and that's why I'm a big believer um, in certified organic um, board certification boards. Um, I do have my own product range and I have gone through that process and I believe that that is actually a really important thing to consider and look for as a shopper because it's the only way that you really get that assurance that it's GMO free, it's farmed without pesticides, chemicals, herbicides. Um, it's And after, I guess, going through that process myself, you know, you get yearly audits, you have to produce traceability reports it's it's a full-on thing like every year that I have my audit I'm like oh my god it's sort of like getting not because I'm not doing it but because it's so thorough and I really believe for someone that's starting on that journey that's a good way um, to to start looking for those kinds of um, lab, you know, the labels with certification because it really does assure you that that is um, a fully organic product. With fruit and vegetables, it does get a little bit more difficult and that, that's why at our store, we only sell certified organic produce because now there's lots of amazing farmers out there and don't get me wrong, I, you know, I totally support spray-free farms and, you know, but it. You, you can never really know if that product has actually or that vegetable has been grown fully chemical-free unless it is a certified organic farm. And I know some people are like, oh, well, you, you know, how do you know? And I'm like, well, I guess for me, knowing the process, I do truly believe that that is a worthwhile um, process or if you can't, get that knowing your farmer knowing where it comes from asking the questions not not being afraid to say hey like love your produce but can you let me know what what sort of you know practices you use because it is so important that we can start to um you know fuel our bodies with produce that is grown without chemicals um, and sometimes, you know, I know not everybody can afford that. I totally get that and understand that and appreciate that. But that's where my tips come in too. It's like don't, even if you can't buy everything organic, come into our shop. We've got uh, juicing carrots, two kilo bag of juicing carrots, $3.95. You know, like there's still things that you can get. The imperfect, I always still to this day in my own shop, go to the imperfect section and get the specials because that's how my mum, you know, taught me to um, 
to shop, go to the markets and say, hey, I really love your tomatoes, but do you have any cooking tomatoes that you might have? And you can usually get them a lot cheaper. Um, also, with organic produce, using things that are in season and are plentiful at that time will always be cheaper. Um, so I really think there is ways around it and I totally encourage people to come in and, and ask me questions or, or be honest and say, hey, look, I'm on a budget. Um, have you got any tips of how I can, you know, buy these things or make delicious meals? And I'm always up for that because I was the youngest of eight and my mother was on a very tight budget. <laughs> so I certainly know how to um, be thrifty in the kitchen and you don't have to spend a million dollars you know like it is doable we just got to be smart even with meat I always say if you can't afford organic meat buy organic meat on the bone like a chicken drumstick or a chicken wing because it's always cheaper and then you get the benefits of the skin and the, you know the gelatin in the bones and cooking with bones you know the meat is always so much cheaper so there's there's ways around it um yeah I get very passionate when I talk about that. Well, it makes sense because many people just make a blanket statement or a generalised statement. It's too expensive without actually doing the research. But I think one of the questions I have for you around this whole movement, if you like, is that there seems to be so many illnesses, autoimmune disease, gut-related issues, skin problems, um, premature ageing, rashes, allergies. There's just There just seems to be a multitude. In your humble opinion, is it that we've got more of these things happening or is it just the way the planet's gone, it's creating more havoc? Yeah, look, I mean, I see a lot of that, I guess, in the shop. You know, we've got a lot of people. There's people coming into Greensmith at all different stages of their journey in food. And, look, I really believe that the the food that we are eating, we have just totally lost touch with where our food comes from and connecting with our food and buying things pre-made, pre-chopped, pre-packaged, pre-everything. And I, I really believe that that healing and health starts with the food that you nourish yourself with, the way you prepare it, the way you love it, the way you appreciate it, and not, not just picking that up to, to eat it to get full. It's about enjoying that whole process. And, and I, I think that, yeah, a lot of these issues are coming from our connection that we've lost with our food, but also the way that our food is grown and the way that it's mass produced. And a lot of the time, by the time we get, not us personally, but a lot of time people get their food, there's, it's, it's no energy. It's lifeless. It's empty. Do you think when, when we look at this whole perspective then on health and vibration and energy and all of the things that really do matter to those of us that are interested in living as well as we possibly can, as healthy as we possibly can. Do you agree with then that um, food is depleted the longer it's off the tree or the plant or in the garden or whatever? How long have we got? (laughs) 
I just I hear stories like Coles and Woolworths and the big conglomerates. Sometimes I've heard that the food sits in fridges for six weeks before it even hits the shelf. How long, in your humble opinion, does food become lifeless or without energy? So I think there's obviously the best way to, to eat our food is to be to be getting it into our kitchens and our, our bodies as quick as we can, but that's not always possible, right? So I think that big supermarket chains, obviously, some, let's not even six weeks, you could be talking months and months that apples are in cold storage and you know I get that all the time people come into the shop with a list and they're like oh I need this and I I say oh well actually we haven't got that it's not in season at the moment oh well I can get it at Coles I was like well that's probably because it's months old and it's been stored or sprayed or coated in a certain way to allow you to be able to eat that at, at this time so there's that that factor but I mean, if we can't get to, you know, if we haven't got our own vegetable garden and we can't get to the the markets, and I still also believe that we can add life to our food. So, you, I, I've been brought up to, to believe, and and I feel that you you do the best you can with what you have in front of you, and you. If, if you can only get food, you know, if you're in a location and, and you've only got small choices and that's all you can, can access or all you can eat, I really believe as well it's about how we, you know, mentally take that food in and, and bless it and, and add our own vibration to that food because realistically we, we, we can't all pick our vegetables and our greens every day and walk through our orchard and pick off our pears and so I think it's finding where you are the, the the freshest you can and then adding your own touch your own love your own light your love and vibration to that food and I still believe that it can nourish us There was a time in, I think, the 50s, maybe the 60s, and then moving into the 70s, where it was seen as freedom for women to get them out of the kitchen, which is why prepackaged and processed foods, the microwave came in, and the whole marketing around it was get free time, have more time for you, get out of the kitchen. And yet we know in this day and age, one of the best ways to nurture and nourish our families, men and women, is to be in the kitchen making things from scratch. Most people say it's too hard, or not most, a lot of people will say it's too hard to make a broth or what do you mean ferment yogurt on the bench or what do you mean doing a coconut kefir culture and a sourdough for three days and all these sorts of things. Culture and tradition suggests this was where we spent a lot of time and energy in the preparation of our foods. What do you say to the revolution of getting women out of the kitchen in the 50s and 60s and the impact that that's having on this day and age? Mm. Well, I guess then it was almost, it became a chore, right? So it was husband would go to work, wife stays at home, gets the meal done, ticks all the boxes. And I think along that way that the joy was lost in the preparing 
and the bringing together of a family around preparing and cooking foods. And that's what I love um, to say when I am talking to people about um, trying to get them to find the joy and the love in cooking. I, you know, find the joy in cooking. Get your kids around the table. My, my happiest memories are always have been in the kitchen with my mum and my brothers and sisters. And then in India going there, um, sitting on the floors of my friends' kitchens and laughing and chatting and, you know, cutting up beans and coconut. It was, it, it's like it's time together. And I think, yes, cooking and being in the kitchen did become a chore and it lost that the joy and the love that perhaps it could be and it was like okay well the the wife is in the kitchen on her own doing the preparing rather than being in the kitchen together like I I do all all the cooking in my house because I love to do it but I always uh, Belle says oh do you want some help and I say oh no just just sit there and talk to me pour me a glass of wine you know and and we chat and we put the music on and we find the joy so it's sort of coming back full circle to that and 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 you know get the kids involved get get the husband or the wife or whoever's involved and they might not need to be chopping anything but we can certainly be sitting there and chatting while you're doing it and sharing and and having that um interaction yeah it's pretty special isn't it and do you do you remember I recall at school we planted a bean, a bean mm. seed, and then we'd come in and we'd see the sprout, and then we'd see it grow. Oh, yeah, and I then that. It's just I loved it. I absolutely remember the joy in seeing the bean plant change every day. You mentioned before the disconnection. Many children these days, maybe even adults don't even realise what part of the beast that that meat comes from or how organic grass-fed beef is compared to farmed and terrible conditions beef, Um, how people even understand how something is growing. I've heard kids say they don't even realise a pineapple you know, sat on the ground coming out yeah. of the plant. Like it's, they thought it was on a tree. And I just thought <laughs> we really have lost, we have lost connection to where food comes from. What is the way back? Well, I think a great thing that we're seeing now is that the, the community gardens are coming back full force and also schools are starting to bring that in as part of their curriculum. Obviously there's lots of, Um, green schools and alternative schools that are perhaps incorporate that more but even um, you know state schools mainstream schools are starting to to make that a part of the curriculum where where kids are getting out there and they're understanding you know potatoes don't grow on trees wow what or potato chips don't grow on trees (laughs) you actually have to get a potato and peel it and that's the cool thing about getting the family involved is like okay there's something so simple as let's make potato chips um and i think it's that's that's where it starts because if the parents aren't into that or haven't had that experience of their own, 
the kids are then coming home from school and saying, hey, mum and dad, did you know that potato chips don't grow on trees? And it's starting to all, you know, you bring the little plant home and watch it grow and um, there's lots of rewilding programs that are coming out now for kids on school holidays where you can just go in and get kids can get, get in the dirt and get out in the bush and connect with plants and nature and learning about edible foods. And I think that's just a really yeah, exciting thing to see more of that happening. It would be so good if we each, even growing herbs on your bench if you live in an apartment and putting them into pots on your balcony or having a little veggie patch, the good old veggie patch that we all had growing up. There is something really beautiful about going out and picking fresh herbs. If nothing else, fresh herbs mm. to put on every meal. The flavor is different. The 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 ritual of going out and cutting your own herbs there's something quite, I don't know, you feel really good for doing it. So you're, mm. you're not saying we all have to full on, have a full-on community garden in our own backyard, but are there small measures in your humble opinion that like the simple herbs that would make a difference to get people started back on this journey? Sure. Like for me, every garden should have parsley. Like oh, parsley I think is really underrated. <laughs> Um, flat leaf parsley in particular is very easy to grow and can grow in a tiny little pot, mint in particular. Um, you really don't need much space at all and that's something that you can just, just having two, even two or three pots on your windowsill or at your back door uh, or throw some seeds in the garden, edible flowers, you know, you know there's really small small things you'd be surprised at how many um flowers we could eat and um wild foods even if you don't want to have a garden uh, there's a, a an amazing lady local lady Heidi Marika and I did a a wild um weeds course with her so I went around with her for two days and learned all of the weeds in my area, in my community, that I can eat, chop up and put in a salad. So even that was such a connecting and special experience. And now when I walk around and I see the councilmen, you know, you've got to be careful that they haven't been sprayed. That's an important thing. But there's even berries and, and beautiful things that you can go foraging for and on your afternoon walk and... Um, and add to your to your salad at night. So I think again it's looking at where you are in in your life and taking little baby steps even. Because going from one extreme to the other, I think, is what is overwhelming for people. But just introducing one or two things a week or a month to start to uh, get you more connected to your food or even coming to, you know, a shop like ours where you can see the food more. It's not in, you know, plastic, you know, it's not packed and packaged as much. Um, you know, talking, even talking to, if it's not our shop, whatever whatever produce shop you go to and asking questions, oh, wow, these avocados are beautiful. Where do they come from? 
whereabouts do they come from? Or who do you know the name of the person who grows this? Or it's just little things to start to bridge that gap without having to go from never eaten this way at all, don't know anything about gardening, just throwing yourself into like this. I think that's where people kind of sometimes jump too many steps ahead. Just, you know, ease into it. It's funny you should say that because if you go into Bunnings and you say you want to grow some veggies and things, they'll give you the soil, they'll tell you which fertilizers and things like that. But once you start down this pathway of organic and spray-free and chemical-free, you realize what a niche market it is. And it's not quite so simple as just popping into a store and taking what they say. Consumers have to be way more aware these days, way more educated if their function or their purpose is to get the best they possibly can. One of the things that we know in all the research now is getting your hands into soil, actually feeling the soil on your hands, grounding with your feet. The microbes that are in soil, healthy soil, is actually what we were designed to have to help us have a a microbiome in our gut or in our skin or in our bodies, totally in relationship to the soil. And yet this day and age, our soils are so depleted. Mm. What's your thoughts around that? And is the soil really that important or the fertilizers really that important? How do we get started if this is new to us? Well, yeah, the soil is, you know, definitely important. And you, a lot of the time if you do try to start a garden, and I'm no green thumb, I must say, like I do like preparing the food, but my gardening skills are definitely, um, yeah, not not as good as my cooking skills. <laughs> um, but, you know, finding, again, healthy or uh, natural fertilisers, finding now I think you can, even get people that will come to your home and get you started with your own garden beds, getting you set up with the right um, soil. But the soil is so important. I, I've, I've seen that. Um, and nutrient-rich soil is definitely, you know, there's different, different you know, prices as well. Like if you go to even trying to um, a lot of the local farmers at the markets around here can actually buy their soil or buy bags of soil that have been fertilized and composted Um, you know getting started with a a composting course as well because that really does help your um, you know using the compost once it turns into your soil is you know what better way to actually be growing your vegetables in that Um, you know that's the perfect situation so reaching out and finding, there's so many people, amazing people moving to this community and courses and information and, and different things that can get you started and, and teach you those skills just to, yeah, get your hands dirty and get into it and see how you enjoy it. It's so powerful. And like I said, that buzz of being a little girl and watching your bean grow is just one of those amazing moments. Yeah, the sprout. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So, okay, what about then? We've mentioned sprays a few times. You see council workers out there spraying burns and edges of roads and, and parks and schools. What is your knowledge around these sprays? And to your knowledge, what is the detriment of all these sprays that are being used? Well, 
just, I mean, again, I've been very lucky because I you know, grew up in, in places and locations. I've had a very, very chemical-free life from the get-go, um, which in turn has also made me highly sensitive to that. I can taste, smell, feel things that have perhaps been contaminated. Um, but please, I urge people, if they don't understand the effects that these chemicals are having on our bodies, to, to get educated. There's so many resources out there and it's not just the sprays on our food, it's the, the particles, the chemicals that are in our skincare, body care, cleaning products, um, and how I've seen firsthand how these can affect people's lives and the, the illnesses that are, that are coming about now, um, it's just mind-blowing, mind-blowing. And seeing people go on that journey, when they get that aha moment that actually they've realised that this stuff is actually harming them and it's the build-up in our bodies over time Sure, you might not notice it right now, today, but it's building up and staying. You know, it's what our what's it's it can't get out, right? So it's just building up somewhere in us. And um, yeah, I just really, I I never really as well when people come into the store, I don't like going on about something I really urge people to go and find or send them you know resources there's so many amazing documentaries it really just takes one great source of information to to make people stop and think oh wow gee maybe I maybe I won't eat that lettuce or that you know broccoli or use that skincare or that aerosol or that room spray that I've been spraying in my bathroom for the last 15 years because it's all of these things that are now accumulating in our lives and that are yeah really making us sick I remember reading an article many years ago like decades ago that women alone expose themselves to over 200 chemicals alone just first thing in the morning through their personal care products their shampoos their body washes um, plug-in aroma things like perfume and that's being polite, apparently, because we know some perfumes can have hundreds of chemicals in them. So when it comes to our personal care products and what we put into and onto our body, my my belief is you may not always be able to control the environment that you're in, as in what council does or doesn't do or what your neighbours might do or don't do, but you can control what you put into and onto your body. And if we really value our health and really do respect our bodies and the incredible machines that they are, you would find the time. The other thing I'd say oh. is you can't unhear or unsee this information. Once you get it or hear it, it's very hard to unsee or unhear it, isn't it? Totally. And that, I guess, is what drove that home for me um, when I lost my father because I... I knew that um, and I've been, been brought up this way and watching him, he, you know, lost his way a little bit and anyway, he, he became very unwell but I just promised myself after watching him fade away and, and pass away that 
I just wanted to spread the word about I think the hardest thing is seeing someone have that awakening when it's too late. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. And but also then seeing the power of when people are in that defining moment in their life when they're like, holy cow, I need to do something, I need to change my life. And they just get in there and they they're ready to strip back and let go of everything and change their life. And and you know, hopefully a lot of the time that that is enough and then they continue on that journey. But I just promised myself I would never I never wanted to myself go through that and also wanted to just inspire people to not wait to that moment. Don't wait till you've got something that is is making you so unwell that it's affecting your life and potentially putting your life in danger. So yeah, it's it's um it's a pretty powerful message and once you do know it and once you start to go down that rabbit hole of learning you can't ignore it no and I think what you said before really touches a chord with me there are so many free resources and podcasts TED talks Uh, you can google information around growing your own gardens or understanding what these chemicals are doing you there is a way to find the information without having to invest a whole lot of money to get the to, to get the information. So education for you is very big and being curious and having an open mind to learn this stuff. What then inspired you to create your own product range? And can you tell us what that is? Yeah, sure. So I was inspired mostly in my life by the we lived on a farm. My mum, we had many adventures in my life and um I actually spent a lot of time growing up on one of the, the, I think it was like the fourth certified organic farm in Australia in the middle of nowhere. And, and it was a health retreat and a, a 400 acre property that had terrace gardens coming down the hill. It had everything that you could imagine there. Um, edible plants, beautiful vegetable gardens, we're 100 kilometres away from the shop, so it wasn't like you could just duck down to Coles or Woolies or your local shop to get what you needed. So that was really where my love of food and creating um, beautiful meals started. And I didn't learn to cook from a recipe book or I, it was there. You'd walk into the garden and, you know, there's 10 kilos of um, sweet potatoes or zucchinis that have been picked and what are we going to do with them? So I learned to cook from um, sight, I guess, and by what was there and, and demand. And because um, it was a vegetarian farm, we also used a lot of spices and I and a lot of fresh herbs. And that's really where my love of cooking and creating started and my freedom and expression to to create um, meals. Um, So I always had this love of cooking and love of um, bringing food to life with with spices and herbs. And then it wasn't until I had, well, actually, it was just after my father passed away and 
a couple of weeks after he'd passed away, I just had this urge to go to India. I was like, oh, my God, I need to go to India and I need to go now. <laughs> so I booked a ticket and I literally left, left the next week and I spent a month in one village and after I'd booked my ticket, I bumped into a friend and told her I was going to India and I said, I have no idea where I'm going or what I'm doing. And she said, oh, well, you've got to go to Ganesh Puri. My husband's family's from there and they'll welcome you. I said, okay. So I flew into Mumbai and these people picked me up who had, you know, I'd never met or had a, a friend that connected us and they were there waiting at one o'clock in the morning two hours drive from their little village at the airport for me um, and they took me back to their very humble abode and I spent a month there just sitting on the floor with Amma, cooking, drinking chai and healing when I'd obviously been had a rough time with my father and watching them cook and then that's when my love of like spices just exploded because I thought I was great at cooking with spices until I got to India and I'd always had this vision that I would go there and you know that I needed to go there and so it was it just kind of ignited that passion even more um, and then I went back several times after that and I had no real plan but one day i you know, met these people and then I met these farmers and then all of a sudden this business just started coming to life for me. Um, and so then I started Love My Earth, which is um, a oh, certified organic spice company. So we support uh, farmers and um, organic growers um, in India and make beautiful spice blends and teas at first, I did start with lots of different single spices, but I realized that my love for cooking was a little bit more extreme than everybody else's. <laughs> so I downsized the product range from you know 40 products to a, a small range where those spices had been blended and, again, made it a lot easier for people to get creative and enjoy cooking with spices because spices can bring a meal to life you know if you've got vegetables spices some good oil or ghee you can create anything it's exciting and it also adds beautiful color and healing benefits so yeah I just that it's just a passion of mine and that turned into a, a, um, a little business that I've had on the side for uh, maybe yeah 12 12 years now and it's incredible and gosh you can hear your passion <laughs> yeah of course but it also makes it easy for those of us that want to eat well but we don't know how much of each spice we should put in without following recipes and to just put a tablespoon of this or a couple of teaspoons and that makes it a hell of a lot easier for those of us that are passionate to cook but don't really want to own 50 trillion herbs and spices in our yes. pantry. <laughs> That's and right. I, yeah, and I just think it's so powerful. Do, while you were in India then, because there is that line, let food be thy medicine, Hippocrates, and, you know, we can heal from food, but we can also get very sick from what people would call food. 
Was there any uh, indication while you're in India around the Ayurvedic way of eating and understanding the bitter, sour, sweet taste that our tongues that we feel? And was there a real identification around the types of foods and when and why we should eat them? Yeah, I actually did went on to study um, in that. Um, I actually studied with a local gentleman, Jay Amadla, the Yamandi medicine man. So I did sort of venture into that um, and did some studies with him and understanding um, that that side of things. And I think it's, I mean, in in India, that is that's their medicine, right? They truly believe and and put their faith into uh, the herbs and the healing of spices and ghee and uh, Belle, my wife and I, we even went on to do several puncture karmas where we did um, two lots of 30-day um, purification, like detoxification purification. Um, so, yeah, I really enjoyed learning about that and understanding that, but I always seem to come back to my truth, which is where I I guess I've just got like this basket of things that I've been collecting on the way and different parts of different uh, theories and medicines and understanding naturopathy, homeopath, um, you know, Indian medicine, healing with food. And I've just sort of created, I guess, what feels good for me rather than sticking to or going down one line of thought. Um, And I think that's really important too because there's so much information now that is in front of us. And, you know, people come into the shop and they're like, oh, I just read this and I need need this. I'm like, okay, well, why, why do you need that? Oh, because I just read this Instagram post and it says that that's going to help me. So, again, that's cool, but also just it's like about tuning in, I think, and doing what feels right. I don't believe that everything is right for everybody. It's about feeling into what feels good for you. Like I'm not somebody who can fast very well. Like I, I'm not... Um, I know when I wake up, I need a certain kind of food and a certain kind of breakfast at certain times of the year. Um, And I think it's also really important to honour that. If you feel good when you eat meat, well, eat meat. If you feel a certain way when you don't eat it and that feels better, well, that's cool too. And it's kind of like taking me on this journey of like taking away all the rules and the boxes that we try to put ourselves in and just working out like what feels good for us as an individual. So, yeah, I did get a lot from India and and learning about that, um, but I certainly have just taken things that have felt right for me from that. One of the other things you mentioned was this 30-day cleanse or detoxification you know I I remember saying many years ago to someone in my audience look your body knows what it needs and so tune in and listen to that and she shouts out well I know my body needs McDonald's chips and a burger (laughs) and um and I was I was really even though it was funny in the moment I remember thinking afterwards I bet she wasn't really joking either she really does believe her body that's what her body needs and that's what she craves 
And so I think part of the process of a detoxification, resting your digestive system and doing it well and obviously under the guise and care of someone who knows what they're doing if you don't, then what that seems to do is to create a reset button or a chance for you to actually really notice what does or doesn't affect you. One thing that's shocked me over the years, Jess, is the amount of people who actually don't know what it feels like to be well. Is that a surprise to you as well? Like they really have never experienced good health, the way they were brought up, the foods they were eating, tuck shots, bought lunches, I'm not trying to blame the parents in any shape or form because life's so busy, but it is incredible how many people have not experienced true health. Is that the same for you in the shop? Do you notice that? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's, it blows my mind sometimes like the, you know, some of the conversations I have and I'm like, wow, like, yeah, it's, it's real. It's a, it's a real thing. And, and I think that's, the other thing is that they haven't also experienced the quietness in their life. So it's not just about the food and what they're eating. It's about the busyness of the life that they're leading that doesn't – so she, that lady probably does think that McDonald's and, you know, whatever she was eating was right for her because I'm guessing her life and mind was so busy that they haven't experienced the quietness to actually know what their body is telling them or or what that feels like to 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 hear it and that's the great thing about having a yeah like a reset because not only are you going down that path with the food it's also about the reset of the mind and having time off the devices the emails the to-dos and being a hundred percent cared for to just let go so you can start to feel and hear what your body's trying to tell you it seems for some when the minute you tell them they can't have certain foods that they crave them more or that it's a punishment to to go off these foods sugar is one of the biggest addictions in the on the planet today and apparently Australia is as close if not more morbidly obese than even America what do you think the answer is what's how do we help this nation of ours get back to better health well I guess that the, the the problem is there too that that kids and well you know adults their taste buds don't know what food tastes like without the sugar and also the sodium and the salt so it's trying to educate you know it's education again and really it starts from the younger days and the younger years of of allowing these children to I remember this lady used to come in to, to um, Heart and Soul Organics and she used to buy a box of cucumbers every week and she had all these kids and she you'd see her get in the car and then she'd reach into the box and like throw them each a cucumber over the back seat and I, I thought it was hilarious that they thought it was like candy and they were like, oh, yum, got my cucumber for the day, right? But it's, um, yeah, it's a real, a real thing and, you know, products are, are laden with, so much sugar and that's the other thing now is that healthy products or vegan products or vegetarian products 
they might not have meat or dairy in them, but then they fill them with sugars. And so I think the the answer to that too is about understanding, um, which I know you talk about with skincare, is understanding labels and the importance of actually if you're not eating whole foods, if you're not eating fruit and vegetables and you are buying, you know, packet food that you really, we really need to start asking questions and reading labels and and now you can see that the demand for that is becoming more which is fantastic because there's more options so it's the accessibility as well that's important because do you remember how hard maybe 10 years ago it was if you wanted to go to a cafe and not eat something like not disgusting basically you'd have to travel around or I'd get my phone out and plan where I was going to go for lunch that day or take my little lunch box with me or and now that you know the access to that because the demand is increasing people are wanting more I think you start to see a flow-on effect of that and the more people that are that are asking for it it it's becoming more mainstream and normal which is great yeah and I think it's so encouraging to find places like Greensmith Grocers your place where it's easily accessible as well it's not like you're out in the WAPs or you know 50 k's from where we all live it's it's actually really remarkable and I think for me personally every city or town that I visit I'm always looking where's the whole food store where's the organic shop like where can I go (laughs) And I think yeah. yours is just such a beautiful and it's got the best energy ever. Um, all the things you're talking about, oh, it's so exciting, you know, like fresh herbs, gardens, getting our hands into soil, understanding where our food comes from, getting back to nature, avoiding chemicals, doing all of these things. I mean, ultimately, as much as it was the norm, maybe 50, even 100 years ago, in this day and age, it really is an act of self-care and self-love to really honour and nurture our bodies with the best foods possible. What is your definition of self-love? Well, for me, self-love is, is really taking the time each day to look after myself because I know what it feels like to not be well and not be in balance. And I know that is not how I want to live my life. And, and I've always been someone that has needed to, you know, touch the stove to know it's hot. I couldn't be told. <laughs> I've always needed to experience that and go through that process or those learnings myself. That's just who I am. And, I, and I'm, I'm still young. I'm, I'm in my early 40s now, but I definitely know what it, it, what it means to to me to love myself is waking up every morning and going for my walk on the beach even if it's five minutes and having my cup of tea in bed with my wife and my little dog and and finding gifting myself something that brings me joy every day and after my last business where I literally ran myself into the ground I realized that I had sucked the joy out of my life to the point where I was so depleted I was I couldn't function anymore and it was like I had to go there and experience that 
you know, not that I'd wish that upon anyone, just to remind me um, what I needed to do. And, and my way out of that was I totally, I just took time and I made a promise to give myself joy every day. It really is but, powerful, but so simple, isn't it? Like yes. to find joy. Many people say they're looking or they complain about what they don't have in their life and they miss actually what's right in front of them and what they do have, a physically functioning, moving body, maybe a roof over your head, maybe a view, you get to see a sunrise or a sunset, healthy children, a beautiful pet, connection, like there are so many things that we actually do have in our lives. But if we get into comparisonitis or looking at what we don't have, we miss those little joys. How do you keep accountable then to those joys? And could you give us some of your self-care tips? Um, well, I guess it comes a little, you know, more naturally now without, you know, thinking about it too much. But I mean, in the beginning, I, I'd really made myself I made a list actually of what the things that brought me joy that I couldn't blame anybody else if it didn't happen so it was like okay what can I be responsible for and accountable for and it could be the tiniest thing just like moving my body to a song in the morning or you know making a cup of tea and sitting in the sun um so I I wrote all of those things down that I I had to be fully responsible for myself and then I made a promise to myself that no matter what happened, I would pick two things off that list every day for 30 days just to see how I felt. So um, and then I had like this little di- – like, I've still got it all. I made this little diagram and then I went through it and, and it was funny like I – towards like halfway to the end of it it was almost like I'd look at that list and I'd know straight away what it was that I wanted to do and then I'd be like oh yeah that's cool and I started to notice that it just became more natural and easier and if I thought to myself if I can't give myself this every day then you're not allowed to complain like I would say okay if you're not going to do it then that's fine, but you, you can't complain that you're not feeling well or your body's sore or you've got a headache or you're not feeling happy. So that was, I guess, like a challenge that I set myself to get myself back on track. And um, then seeing the results of that and the benefits of that, sure, I had times where I kind of go in and out of that, but I definitely, that would be my tip, I guess, if someone just, just give that time to yourself every day. And it's just the tiny little things that can make all the difference. Or having a bath for me is like the biggest joy and gift. And that is really my time. Um, I'm noticing at the moment I don't have a bath. So I'm having to make sure that I do other things because I really notice it affects the way that I feel. One of the things I do whenever I'm staying somewhere that doesn't have a bath is I get a flannel or a face washer and I put it across the bottom of the shower while I'm in it, get the steam all happening. And I put four to six drops of my blend or essential oils or a single oil or something. And it's just the one little 
little tiny thing that makes it feel a little bit more indulgent and beautiful. And I really do love a bath. My husband has a bath every day. He loves his baths. He washes every day, but most days he'll have a bath. It's just as an athlete, he puts his magnesium in there. He has his oils. It's his 10, 15, 20 minutes of relaxing and letting his body just decompress and just Mm. allowing it to be. And I think aromatic bathing is just one of the most glorious treats we can ever indulge. But yeah, try that with the flannel. Well, that's a good over idea. I was thinking I was going to have to get the two buckets and put my foot in each one at the end of the shower. <laughs> no, no, no. We can, we can do good. a beautiful inhalation. <laughs> But one of the other things that you do is run retreats. And now we're through this other side of the last couple of years and now live retreats are coming. Your next one's fully booked. But could you tell us if the listener wanted to follow you or perhaps look at coming on one of your retreats, first of all, what they're about and why you run them. And then maybe if you don't have a date, where they can go so that they can register their interest. Yeah, sure. Um, Well, I love... Retreats are sort of, for me, like a little mini puncture karma, which I shared before, which is about coming and be being totally looked after and cared for. So I call uh, the retreats that I'm running uh, Nourish. So it's about coming along and being nourished, body, mind, soul, uh, food, like-minded people, I really wanted to create an experience for people that, again, wasn't set on a particular kind of um, philosophy because I think that can be, you know, limiting for people or sometimes scary. Like, you know, a yoga retreat, people think, oh, well, I can't touch my toes, so I don't want to go to a yoga retreat. Like really making it inclusive, warm, humble, and inviting for people to come and just be and with that have special guests like someone like yourself that could come along and share their wisdom and give people little tools that they can take home and perhaps incorporate if it feels good but being in a place that it's it's okay to just explore and see whether that feels right for you so we'll have lots of different experiences I also do a lot um, around cooking and food so I uh, do a a daily cooking workshop where people can sit around the table and we chat and we cook and I talk about food and how I like to to prepare my food which is very much a creative outlook for me and expression and work with people to sort of look at the opening to you know finding the joy in cooking again if they've lost that and uh you know making different things and letting them experience uh meals that they perhaps might not make at home and just a really beautiful time to to just be and also if people come along and they just want to sleep they can sleep there's no there's no strict time frames and timetables it's very much a a time for people to do what feels right for them and I've you know had a retreat before where one lady really got there and all she did was sleep because that was exactly what she needed to do and that's okay so it's a great way to to connect 
and reach out more to the community, I guess. And I have lots of people coming in asking me about um, food and cooking and recipes and also showing people that it's okay to experiment with food and allowing their hearts and their eyes to kind of lead them in that cooking journey rather than working to a recipe because, you know, that's how I um, do things with my food. And that's a really cool process too because it does challenge people. They're like, oh, no, I can't make that if I don't have a recipe. So just exploring that a little bit more. Uh, yeah, so Nourish Retreats are a really simple, nourishing, healing and also working. I do share my um, 30 days of joy with people. So I have a little, you know, a little workshop that we do on that about finding the joy in daily life and, um, you know, letting people explore that and, yeah, just a, a different experience so beautiful and truly what's so needed in this day and age I love how free-flowing it sounds and also just how it's about connecting back in and trusting and experiencing exactly what it is that our hearts minds bodies and souls need to nourish and refuel and I just want to acknowledge and thank you for the work that you do and your creation and your passion and how you've turned your passion into a business and how you connect with people, you and Belle, on a daily basis and just how you run your beautiful, amazing organic shop. If people wanted to find you personally and professionally, how can we find you on your socials and what's the best website, sweetheart? Sure. So Greensmith Grocers, our uh, website, greensmithgrocers.com.au we've got Instagram and Facebook and we do a lot of updates um, on Instagram and myself and Uva my business partner um, who you know is equally as passionate about organics and and larger than life if if they haven't met him they'll certainly um, meet him when they come in but that's probably where we do most of our updates is on Instagram and we also have a membership like a free membership or mailing list that people can join they can either do that in store or on our website and we send out sort of fortnightly to monthly um, newsletters just depending what events or workshops we've got booked in because we do offer a lot of free workshops which um Obviously, Kim, you've come along and um, done one with us, which was fantastic, and we have our market night. So that's probably the, the best way, Instagram and our, um, our mailing list. Uh, perfect, perfect, perfect. And we always love to finish our beautiful podcast inspired not only by your final message, if you have a beautiful final message for our amazing listener who is truly curious about all things that you've been talking and thank you for being so open and willing to share everything that you've learned but your final message to the listener and then perhaps your favorite quote could you share that with us please beautiful sure well I guess my final message is don't don't wait to live the life that you your heart truly desires there's no time but this time, and I think even more at the moment, it's time for us to sort of step into our the joy and the trueness of our life and who we're meant to be. So I just really urge people to 
to just do it. Just don't be scared. There'll be challenges, there'll be fears, there'll be blocks, but if you keep walking and, and believing and, and, and educating yourself and understanding, you'll, you'll never look back, that's for sure. And my quote would be a, a quote um, from Mariam Williamson and I, uh, a lovely lady, Patria King, I finished one of her retreats and afterwards she called me into her office and handed this quote to me on a piece of paper and she said, stick this last paragraph up on your wall and don't ever get rid of it and I've still got the piece of paper and I have it stuck on my wall. But the last line of it really resonated with me, so I'll just share that with you now. So our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful but on measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. And if you just sit with that, and for me, that just summed me up in in an instant, in a, in a sentence. And that was really a defining moment for me where I decided to, yeah, really take that on board and, and really start to live yeah, the other life that I, that I knew I was here to, to live in. Well, you do it so beautifully. And I was just so delighted to stalk your store and <laughs> to meet you and find you and Belle and beautiful Yuri and just your passion, the three of you and the beautiful girls and guys that work there. It's just, yeah, I wish every town had a Greensmith grocer and I'm sure there's lots of beautiful, passionate people out there and I, I hear you loud and clear. Just keep asking questions, keep looking, keep searching, stay curious and know that there is always a pathway. And I think if you aren't on the Sunshine Coast, then to follow you guys on socials and to be a part of your newsletter and mailing list is actually being a part of a tribe of like-minded souls anyway, because your newsletters are always interesting and there's always some great stuff and you're always bringing in new products and local experts and things like that. So from my heart to yours, I just want to thank you guys and you especially for everything you do, for your faith in little businesses like mine, for your faith in honoring and championing the person who has the same passions and desires as yourself. And I just want to thank you. I know it isn't easy and I know that nothing that you guys have set up there looks really great and it looks like, oh, just quickly whip up a store. But there's an energy and there's a philosophy and there's a mission and there's your values. Every single product in that store speaks the values of you beautiful souls. So Thank you for being so integral and authentic and thank you for showing up, even though I know there's long, exhausting days and nights for you guys. From my heart to yours and on behalf of the beautiful Self Love Podcast listener, thank you, Jess, for being you and thank you for always teaching all of us how to live our best life. Oh, thank you. Such a treat. I look forward to sharing all your stuff. If people want to know the links that we talked about, if you're driving or if you're out walking, I will have all of the links in the show notes. So make sure you follow the beautiful Jessica Holdsworth. And I hope you've enjoyed this week's chat as much as I have. Take care. Be kind.
Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family. And head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.